Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Have you ever noticed that a lot of people try to make the idea of motivation, being motivation, being consistently motivated, they try to make it some sort of big mystery, like it's some sort of big spiritual thing that you must solve, some big spiritual Rubik's Cube? I don't know about all of you, but I am so tired of people telling me I have to walk on coals. <laughs> I have to learn how to break boards, with, you know, do karate chops. I have to get, give myself a mantra. I have to somehow say a billion affirmations every day. I have to do all the rest of it because, it, you know, in order to feel motivated consistently, the reality of it is, is that motivation or the lack of motivation usually comes down to just a few key things, and most of them are easily controllable by you. And here's the cool part. They're physiological. They're not mental. So those of you who have been on your quest to find your big why, how many books have been written about the idea that there has to be one big mission that you must be on in order to feel motivated? How many of you have been led to believe that you have to feel passion to be motivated? All those types of things, guys, are, if anything, temporary hits of caffeine, but they don't really have any staying power. And that's the reason a lot of you have never really experienced long-term, ever-increasing levels of success because you thought that you needed to have some sort of mythical, almost spiritual attachment to feeling motivated in order to accomplish those things. And so what we're going to share with you today is something that um, Julie and I researched a ton for a new book that's coming out in about a year. By the way, Julie, are you on? I think so. <laughs> I you tell me. Yes, you're on. Yeah, you're on. Okay. So the new, book, the new book, which you're a little faint, though, the new book, which comes out in about a year, um, we spent a lot of time researching the physiology behind motivation, um, because frankly, we're tired of how woo-woo, as we like to call it, a lot of the motivation stuff has become, how it's become sort of the secret thing. If you guys have been around for a while, you know what I'm talking about, how it's become something that's out there that you're always in, quest, always in search of versus something that is really in control that you, at all times that's in, inside of you and uh, not some big mystery. So today we're going to talk about one of the number one easiest to control things that you can start doing effectively now, if you chose to, um, that will have an immediate effect on the motivation levels that you have. Why is that so important this time of year? Well, it's important every time of year, but it's especially important this time of year because right now, officially, your next year has already started. If you're not doing your business planning, if you're not working towards next year's goals or thinking about what you want to accomplish the next, you know, really next calendar year, you're going to miss it. And if those of you who are listening to us for the very first time, I want you to get this concept down. Please don't forget we told you this. A lot of you, and this is not just true in real estate, it's any kind of anything really. A lot of you wait until after the new year to actually get going, to actually make a commitment to losing weight, to actually, you know, start doing all the things. I'm going to start prospecting. I'm going to start doing lead follow-up better. I'm going to start calling my centers of influence and past clients. I'm going to start saving money. I'm going to next year, but you don't do it. And that's been the pattern in most people's lives. 
And in sales, what happens is because the sales cycle is going to be protracted. Most of you have been spoiled your entire real estate careers, assuming you've only been in the business for 10 years or less, with sales cycles that are generally 30 to 60, maybe 90 days. You start a conversation with somebody, and if that somebody is, you know, a, let's say a, a viable seller, you're getting paid on that seller within 90 days because you've been selling only in a seller's market. Well, for the rest of us who've been in this business for decades, who've actually sold real estate, I can tell you that that's abnormal. So in a normal market, you're going to be looking at 181 days. Uh, that's just to basically get the house sold. So average days in the market when Julie and I sold real estate, according to the Board of Realtors, was 181 days. That doesn't include, listeners, the amount of time it took prior to the house being listed to prepare the house for sale, uh, to compete for the listing, to do all the you know things that happened even before the contract signed. That could have been another 30 days prior to that. So in our market, when Julie and I sold real estate, on average, now fortunately our average was better than this, not always, but usually it was, but on average it, it would take from contact to paycheck nine months. Think about that. How many of you are financially <laughs> ready to have yeah. your days in the market and have your contact to paycheck cycle be that long? None of you would be the answer probably. And brokerages and teams, you guys are the ones that are going to basically be uh, feeling the protraction of the marketplace even more. No question. Finally, everyone's accepting the fact that housing market is in reset mode. By the way, go back and listen to our podcast that we did on the housing reset. You can listen to those on iTunes or Stitcher. So the moral of the story is that if you're lacking motivation this time of year, you might not hurt yourself today. Maybe you've earned enough money so far this year that you're good, right? Maybe you've got closings coming in the rest of the year. Maybe you've got some listings. You've got cash flow. You're okay. But what's going to happen is, is you're going to hurt the future you if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing now. That future you is the one in the spring. Oh, hold on, Tim. I'm repeating myself here, listeners, but it's just really important you understand this. This is what a lot of you are saying to yourself, subconsciously maybe, but this is – judge yourselves by your actions, not by what you're saying. Hold on, Tim. I'm going to wait until next spring before I get my shit back together and I start doing what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it at the highest level. I'm here to tell you that if you take that stance, you are going to probably miss at least half the year because of the contact to paycheck cycle I just described to you that we are going to be experiencing nationwide going into next year. Do you get it, listeners? So a contact you make today most likely will not pay you until late spring of next year. Think about that. Isn't that amazing? That's completely different than most of you have been experiencing. Those of you that have built buyer-based businesses, you're going to be even experiencing longer uh, you know, contact to paycheck cycles. And if you've normally had to contact 10 buyers to sell one house, you're probably going to have to start being in contact with like 30 or 40 to sell one house. Everything's changing. So look, I get it. This time of year, a lot of people like to take a couple uh, logs off the fire, not work as hard, not be as motivated, start thinking about the holidays. I mean, Julie and I did that, those series of podcasts. We were telling you effectively you have about 60, what was it, Julie, 61 working days left this year. Isn't that what it yep, was? Roughly that, somewhere in the 60s, yep. And that's not yeah. even accounting for other things that they probably have going on. Yeah. So, look, guys, you need to be motivated this time of year. And so what we're going to do is we're going to share with you the non-spiritual, non-woo-woo, non, oh, we've got to walk on coals and, you know, figure out all these, you know, special, secret, semi-spiritual ways of feeling motivated. I don't know what my big why is, Julie. I don't have passion. I don't have – guys, set aside all that stuff. Most of that stuff is malarkey. 
Here's the real reason that most, most of you aren't feeling motivated consistently, Julie. Mm-hmm. The, the reason, sorry, I was reminding somebody of, that is on my premiere call too early. Uh, sorry, I was cleaning that up. Go ahead. Go ahead. The topic of today's show is? Oh, yes, about sleep, actually. And this absolutely does relate to motivation, keeping, your, keeping it together fourth quarter so that your first quarter can rock. Why does that matter? Because it determines the rest of next year. So one of our recommended books on our website is Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams by Matthew Walker, Ph.D. And he gets into a lot of highly analytical things, but I wanted to summarize with some sleep rules for all of you guys to implement immediately. None of this is difficult. All of this can happen starting today. Point number one. And a lot of this is highlighted in Harris Rules, too. Should sound a little bit familiar to you. Point number one, stick to an actual sleep schedule. Go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. In other words, don't have different rules for different days. If you've got an appointment tomorrow, then you get up earlier. And if you don't, then you get to sleep in. And if your kids have the day off, you do this. Don't do it that way. Stick to an actual schedule, a starting time and an ending time. We talk about that in your business schedule, but apply that to your sleep schedule as well. Point number two. Exercise is great, but not too late in the day. No later than three hours before bedtime. Why? Because your heart rate is elevated. It has to come down for you to actually have quality sleep. So yes, of course, you hear us talk about Orange Theory and things like that all the time, keeping your exercise and your energy high, but don't do it any later than three hours before bedtime. Point number three, this makes a lot of sense, avoid caffeine and nicotine. Some people say to cut back the caffeine as early as 2 o'clock in the afternoon when you plan on actually getting to sleep quickly. Anything you want to add? These points are, you know, pretty self-evident, but when you do them all together, it adds up to better sleep. I'm going well, pretty fast. Well, so here's the, here's the thing. There's an accumulation effect to sleep, which is scary. And that's the thing that Julie and I learned when we were putting together the points for uh, the book. Because, we're like I said, we're gonna, we keep things practical and tactical as possible, and sometimes you maybe over you, you overcomplicate it. Our egos and our brains want us to think that everything that's uh, worthwhile accomplishing has to be, like I said at the top of the show, some sort of Rubik's Cube that needs solved. But the reality of it is is that most times the reason that you're not feeling motivated consistently is really basic things, lack of nutrition, too much caffeine, too much alcohol. I mean, alcohol is another thing we touched on in the new book, which is shocking. How long that stays in your body the following day? Do you feel yourself dragging the next day? Well, it's the two glasses of wine you had the previous night, most likely. Do you? Uh, here, <laughs> there's a big ego thing with sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Well, yes, you will, but you'll be dead a lot sooner if you don't get enough sleep. So that's actually a, a fact. Huge... Yeah, that's, talk about that, That's not that, just Julie. a saying. That's actually a fact, and that's why I really liked his book is that, you know, we all talk about this stuff, but he actually has researched it. So for the more nerdy and analytical among us, I believe – let's see if it's in my outline. It's in the book. Okay, I talk about this in the new Harris Rules book, but I believe that his statistic based on his research was when you routinely – and I think he said like more than four days a week get less than seven hours of sleep – which I, I think many of our listeners, and certainly I've had weeks that have been like that, when you routinely have seven hours or less, it literally shaves between 10 and 15 years off of your life. It, it's not just a saying, okay? It's a fact. 
and that's seven hours. I would have thought it would be more like four or five, but it's just at seven. And he's got a lot of very interesting facts in there that, uh, that sleeplessness actually causes more car accidents than drunk driving does. And that when you have, I think it was less than six hours, it's the same as being very uh, intoxicated you know, the, at the legal limit. It's actually a lot worse. So very interesting stuff. These are just the rules that we all can easily adopt. And you touched on one, point number four, avoid alcoholic drinks before bed because not only does it make it harder for you to go to sleep and it makes it so your body is processing that longer, but it also erodes and sometimes destroys your very important REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. That's the sleep that actually makes you rested. Similarly, point number five, avoid large meals and beverages late at night because you'll be digesting. Yes, go ahead. Go back to the alcohol thing. This is something else that's very fascinating that Julie and I learned. So a lot of people drink thinking that it makes them more relaxed and it makes it so that it's easier for them to fall asleep and all the rest of it. But here's really what we learned, and that's something all of you need to learn too. And remember this. So we know so far, if you've been paying attention, that bad sleep habits are cumulative. If you don't literally get enough sleep every day, and it's 8 to 10 hours, by the way, it's the punchline here. If you don't get at least 8 to 10 hours of sleep every day, it literally erodes your ability, your brain's everything about you, physiologically speaking, starts to go, uh, starts to decline faster than it otherwise would have. But here's another little fascinating thing. Um, alcohol, a lot of us believe, well, I'll have a couple drinks that will make me sleep better. The exact opposite is true because what happens is alcohol has been proven to make it so that you, your body is delayed getting into a REM cycle. So some of you will say, I had a bunch of alcohol last night and I had really vivid dreams. What happened was is your body was sp- all night was uh, working that alcohol through uh, your body, through its system. It was trying to digest it, right? All your, you know, th- that's basically what happened. And then the reason that you remember your dreams the next day after you had a bunch of alcohol was because you had all your REM dreams right before you woke up. In other words, you laid there all night and you weren't getting into REM. That's where uh, regenerative sleep actually happens. Your brain wasn't actually getting to the point where it was essentially in that regenerative sleep cycle because your body was so busy trying to get rid of this toxin that you put in it called alcohol. Then you have, oh my gosh, I woke up the next day and I have all these vivid memories, vivid dreams, all this you know, lucid dreaming and all the rest of it. What that really was is your brain basically before you woke up just jammed all your dreaming in because it took, you know, let's say you were sleeping for eight hours. It took seven and a half to make it so that it worked out all that alcohol out of your system. So the actual effects of alcohol on sleep are detrimental. They don't help. They hurt. That's totally counterintuitive to what a lot of people think. Julie, what's that, what's that stuff that's in uh, turkey? That's the other thing that we should talk uh, about. I know it's not here. Tryptophan? Your... I think it's tryptophan. Tryptophan, yeah. Right? So people, people talk about tryptophan, and they take uh, supplements. That's actually proven to be a bunch of malarkey, too. Maybe there's some psycho, yeah. you know, you think that there's effects that's helping you and whatever, but really at the end of the day, it's not. And so this goes back to there's nothing that you can do that will enhance your sleep more than just time. <laughs> right? More I than think you literally said that about take... melatonin, too. I think that's in the book. Yeah, melatonin yeah. and all those types of uh, things. Nothing. People try to hack sleep, uh, and they take all kinds of – there's interesting studies now that are coming out showing 
that all the little things that people use to try to get to sleep, all the different little things they've, you know, essentially uh, just all kinds of different. Uh, Julie, what are the sl- different sleeping pills and people, the things that people take? You know, all that um, stuff essentially. Yeah. You know, all that melatonin's stuff. Melatonin's one, take. tryptophan is one. There's lots of different Even supplements first, that claim to do that. Um, but, the prescription but yeah, he, one. he debunks most of it. I can't remember this prescription one. Yeah, well, we don't take them, so we don't remember them. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's become yeah. like it's what Elon Musk was supposedly. Oh, you uh, mean like so Ambien or something like Ambien. that? Ambien, yes, Ambien? yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So all those types of things, all I they tried do that is basically. You <laughs> did a massive headache. I tried it uh, try? the first time we, the first time we flew to Europe, because I knew it was going to be planes, trains, and automobiles, and I I figured you know might as well ask for that from the doctor and make my life easier. It was awful. I got the worst headaches. I think it actually kept me up. It's crazy. <laughs> Probably. So I can, I can attest to it not working. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and, it, you know, but related, we've got point number six, avoid medicines that delay or disrupt your sleep. You and I both living in Texas, not being from here, we have Texas allergies. And there's so yes, many do. different allergy medications. Now, some of them make you drowsy. Some of them have caffeine in them. You have to, you know, really look into what you're actually putting in your body. So, and I'm sure that many prescription drugs also have options. You know, when Zoe gets sick, it's, you know, we could do this or we could do this sometimes. So when in doubt, avoid medicines that delay or disrupt your sleep. Actually, I hate reading those uh, warnings, but I think it's good to know if it says may cause sleeplessness. Maybe you change the time of day that you take it if that's something you have to take, but it causes sleeplessness. So something to consider. Um, Point number seven is don't take naps after 3 p.m. It throws you off of your sleep cycle. Uh, The circadian rhythm, I think, is it uh, either National Geographic or Time did some big write-up about that, that uh, there's things that happen when it gets dark out naturally. Your body um, is sensitive and has its own natural circadian rhythm. So when you have naps, after 3 p.m. and you're, you're kind of artificially creating that, it screws up your sleep cycle. So that was one of his points as well. Point number eight, relax before going to bed, like reading or listening to music. Actually take it down a notch. Have a pre-sleep routine. Lots of things have been written on that. Um, you know, unplugging your devices, making your room super dark. One of the things, uh, actually, that's my next point. Um, Point number nine, take a hot bath or shower before bed. Now, I originally came across this when Zoe was a newborn, and I was trying to figure out how to get her to actually fall asleep because, if you recall, she still is not a big fan of sleep. But uh, (laughs) one of the baby books said, she told me it's boring the other day. That's why she doesn't like to sleep. So uh, one of the baby books said, that the reason you bathe babies before you put them to bed is because when they heat up and then they cool off, say, in an air-conditioned dark bedroom, that when their body temperature drops two to three degrees, it can induce sleep. And Dr. Walker in his book talked about this not just for babies but for adults, so taking a hot bath or shower. And then I believe he even recommends a room temperature of 65 degrees, which is pretty chilly, but that will – absolutely help you get to sleep faster. So these are all easy hacks. Uh, Point number 10, dark bedroom, cool bedroom, gadget-free, anything that distracts you from your sleep. Point number 11, have the right sunlight exposure. Wake up with the sun or with bright lights. That'll help stave off the snooze button. And then point number 12, uh, I thought this was interesting. Don't lie in bed awake. Get up if you can't sleep. 
So that's something to try out, and maybe that will change things. But so here's the thing, and I just touched on this. His book is much more vast than this, and I thought that this would be a great topic both to um, you know, talk about time management, sleep management, life management in our Harris Rules book, but also that not just our real estate podcast listeners, this stuff applies to absolutely everybody. So here's the question. Now that you know without a shadow of a doubt that taking sleep seriously affects virtually everything you do, what will you change and what's the cost of not changing? So here's where I went with this. Are you going to be one of the dorky salespeople who thinks it's impressive to brag about how much you suck at sleeping? Oh, I haven't slept in three days. Oh, I don't need any rest. Okay, and this is a badge of honor not just for salespeople, but I think for business people in general. I don't need any rest. I'm a stud. I'm a studette. Okay, well, Dr. Walker's study showed that you are literally doing the opposite of what you think and what you might be bragging about when you operate with no sleep. You think you're pulling out more life when, in fact, you're quite literally headed faster for death. He proves it in the book. He said, quote, the shorter your sleep, the shorter your life. The leading causes of disease and death in developed nations diseases that are crippling healthcare systems such as heart disease, obesity, dementia, diabetes, and cancer, all have recognized causal, meaning they were caused by, at least partially, lack of sleep. And he actually says in his book, I didn't put this in our outline today, Tim, but he says in his book that he predicts, as more and more research comes out, and he's one of the main purveyors of this, that he predicts that uh, better sleep will be prescribed just like medicine is to help uh, get rid of some of these diseases like heart disease and dementia and diabetes and cancer, and that it, it will actually be medicinal. So ultimately, there's a lifestyle choice to make. Follow the sleep rules and live longer, happier, more creatively, and of course, as a result, help more people, thus making you more profitable, or keep on ignoring sleep. It's up to you. That's my little accountability talk at the end. Back to you. So here's your homework. You here's your assignment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go take a nap. <laughs> Wake up. Yeah, did we put you? <laughs> so here's your here's your assignment. Write down just from the overview that Julie and I just gave you that the easiest ways for you to have the most impact on your the quality of your sleep the quickest. Okay. So I'll give you just some ones that I heard. Uh, number one, don't be looking at any bright computer screens or iPhone screens before you go to sleep. That actually keeps your brain awake. You're sending mixed signals to your brain. The bright computer screen from your little whatever, your little mobile device, is telling your brain stay awake at the same time you're trying to tell your brain to, to, to you know, go to sleep. That's going to – just a glance at your iPhone prior to going to sleep will cause you to stay awake for you know, who knows how much longer and, and cause you to delay getting into REM sleep. Number two, cut the alcohol out. Just do it. Test it. Test it for three or four days and see if you feel more rested the next day. Don't be surprised if you don't feel rested you know, the following day, but I bet you two or three days after that you start feeling a lot more relaxed. Um, definitely monitor other types of things that you're eating late in the day. That might The caffeine thing, I know for me personally, if I have any caffeine too late in the day, that will linger in me forever. You know, like I won't be able to get to sleep until like 2 or 3 a.m., so I just cut caffeine out by like noon every morning, you know, every, you know, right at the, at the tipping point. By then so you have enough point, for the day anyway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much usually that's sure. the goal. 
Um, in, then we can talk about other things like incorporating exercise. But really the main thing is is you have to take the sleep seriously because really getting at eight hours of sleep – Julie, talking about this actually reminded me of something kind of interesting. We maybe should have hmm. added this to the uh, notes in our, you know, our book content. But I know that when Julie and I go on vacation, just be – essentially when you're – a lot of times, like when you're sleeping in a bed in an environment that's not familiar to you, this is another thing that's been proven, your brain actually doesn't go completely asleep because it's, it's vigilant. It knows, you, your brain knows that it's in an unfamiliar, mm-hmm. a potentially unsafe environment. Um, but there's something happens after two or three days of being on vacation. So if you're going to be in, away from work and you're going to be in some place that after two or three days you're, you know, your brain figures out it's secure, it doesn't need to be having its night watchman alert all night, what's going to happen is you're, start, you're going to start getting longer periods of sleep because you've broken the cycles that you had at home that were probably not very conducive to getting restful sleep. That probably was, you know, all the things we've talked about. So consider, like, how do you feel when you go on vacations? Do you feel more rested when you get back? Well, why is that? Is it just simply because you got more sleep? The answer is yes. This lack of sleep and trying to then make up for the lack of sleep through believing that you need more sort of you know, external motivation or caffeine or drugs or alcohol, or it basically just kind of perpetuates more of the same. And it, it compounds. It's sort of like, you know, pretty much you can decide whether or not you want to have a compounding benefit or a compounding thing that's hurting you. Lack of sleep, thinking it's not okay to have 8 to 10 hours of sleep a day, it, it accumulates. It actually it causes your body not to have the opportunity. He talked, again, Julie mentioned this, but and we mentioned this in our book too. The actual proof of what happens when you get 8 hours of sleep, where your body's able to REM sleep for a certain amount of time, with regards to disease prevention, uh, regards to depression, with regards to your ability to stay focused and stay motivated. A lot of people say, well, I'm just getting older, so I can't stay as motivated for as long periods of time, so I'm just going to supplement with more caffeine. Well, guess what? It's because you have normalized not getting a normal amount of sleep every day. See how these simple things, guys, make a huge difference? I mean, that's really what we like to bring you in the podcast. We don't want to bring you all these mystical things and uh, sort of unusable motivation things. We want to tell you exactly what to do and make it very practical so at the end of every podcast, you can take that information, you can apply it immediately, and you can make a positive impact on your life. These are the tiny little things that in it, when you put them together, the things we talk about in the other, po- other podcasts, obviously we have thousands of them now, these tiny little micro steps that you can make, improving your sleep, doing the other things we talk about, those are the very tenets of having a long-term successful business and personal life. When you ignore just a couple of these things, what happens is basically the other things don't work as well. So if you're going to say, for example, Tim, I'm going to rock and roll and I'm going to start doing the sleep, but at the same time, you're going to still eat a ton of carbs and, and basically not get your health under control, well, guess what? That's going to detrimentally affect your ability to get good sleep too. So all these things work in unison. But here's the question I have for you. Everything we just talked about, didn't you sort of intuitively already know it? I mean, maybe you picked up a couple things. I thought the thing about alcohol was interesting. I thought a couple of the other things, you know, about the, the room temperature was interesting, the importance of having, like, uh, completely blacked, all those types of things. But none of them were, like, big surprises, were they? So why aren't you doing them? 
Why is it that you're torturing yourself into believing that somehow you're not like the rest of us and you don't need eight to ten hours of sleep a day? Now, there are some freaks out there, and they're genetic anomalies, this is true, that don't need as much sleep. But you're not one of them, so stop thinking you are. Just experiment with it this week, today. Maybe just do it starting like today, literally, this evening. Don't drink alcohol. Try to get eight to ten hours of sleep. Um, get up, just follow the other tips that we talked about and share with us how much better you feel. These simple, tiny things make a huge impact on your life. Listen, guys, if there's anything we can do for us, please email us directly, tim at timjulieharris.com or julie at timandjulieharris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.